First, God wants to touch you and change your spirit. Speaking of conversion, conversion is when you become born again. What is born again? When you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. And if you truly repent, because repentance is the key that unlocks the door to salvation. If you truly repent, then the spirit of God is sent to live inside of you. And as soon as the spirit of God touches your spirit man, your spirit man is brought to life. You are a resurrected person. You have life, right? So that's what we mean when we say born again. Jesus said, that's got to happen to you or you can't get into heaven. But once he gets your spirit reborn, he wants your mind renewed. Because now your spirit is alive, but your mind's got a lot of catching up to do, a lot of renewing to do. And you know what? It's a lifetime process. And here's what it's called, sanctification. When God renews your mind, renews the way you think. And so I've been doing a series now, change your mind, change your life. Everybody say that with me. Change your mind. Change your life. See, I really mean it. The Bible says if we are, uh, that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our thinking, the renewing of our minds. And when we do, we can discern and prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So our minds have got to be renewed. Now, the problem with today is, and I'm going to read the text as soon as I say this last thing. The problem with today is we've got a lot of people who have been born again but their minds are still thinking like the world. You and I won't change anybody. We won't be light and we won't be salt until our minds are renewed. Because we're supposed to think different from the world, walk different, talk different, live different, believe different, stand out. But it's never going to happen without a renewed mind. So let me just read uh, two verses And then we're going to talk today about God made everything, including you. Amen? Genesis 1-1. This is easy. I want you to read it with me. First verse in the Bible. Ready? In the beginning, evolution, I'm sorry. I forgot myself. Let's start over. In the beginning, the Big Bang. I messed up again. I'm sorry. My mind needs to be renewed. So let's read it right. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now let's go to Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 3. And since it's one verse, let's read it together. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things that are visible. Everything around us, we see, hear, taste, touch, and smell was not made by something you can see. They were made by the invisible but real hand of God. Thank you, Father, for your word. Bless it to our hearts today. Give us a renewed mind. Help us to change our mind and change our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell your neighbor, change your mind, it'll change your life. Amen. You know, when my days are done and I go to glory and I'm not pastoring anymore, if I could know this, if I could know I stay true to the gospel, I share the gospel every time I was up here one way or another, and I was true to the gospel, and that I left a church with a renewed mind, then I know I did it right. I'm not here to give you Holy Ghost bumps. 
I'm not here to pull rabbits out of hats. I'm not up here to come up with some new novel thing. I'm called to open up the Bible, read it to you, and explain it to you. The Bible tells me, as a pastor, preach the word. Not my own ideas, not the culture's ideas, not what I think will give you goosebumps, but the word. Because it's the word that changes you and me. It's the word that renews our minds. Now, in this series, Change Your Mind, Change Your Life, we've so far looked at two key foundation stones for a biblical worldview, because that's what we're after. We want a biblical worldview. That means we want to think biblically. We want to see life through the lens of the Bible. We don't want to see it through the lens of the culture. We want to see life and everything in it, including ourselves, through the lens of the Word of God. That's a biblical worldview. So we've learned two key foundation stones so far. One, Jesus is the only way to heaven. How many of you know that's true? That is a key. If you don't believe that, you may not be saved. Seriously. Second foundation stone is this. The Bible is the final arbiter of all truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. No matter how good something looks or how reasonable it might appear, Uh, or how strong an experience might be, or how convinced I might be that I have found my significant other, Uh, no matter what my emotions tell me or my reasoning tells me, if it goes against the word of God, hello everybody, it's not true. It's not true. Okay? Now we gotta get to that place. Well, Pastor Jeff, uh, you know, I just follow my heart. If you follow your heart, you're a fool. Because the Bible says your, your heart will lead you wrong. All right? I, I quoted a verse there. That's not a Jeffism. That's a Bibleism. So if we follow our heart, then we're fools. Because your heart will lead you astray. Your heart will lie to you sometimes. Your emotions are some of the greatest liars in the world at times. Not always, but at times. Okay? So who's the final arbiter of truth? Where do I get my truth? I get it from the word of God. That's where I get my moral truth, financial truth, salvation truth, God truth, um, creation truth. It's where I get all truth of every stripe, of every kind. It all comes from the Bible. And the Bible is the final arbiter of all truth in my life. That's a biblical worldview. Let God be true and every man and every emotion a liar. So it comes down to, can the Bible tell you and I what to do? If the Bible tells us to do something, do we say, you got it, because the word of God came from the God of the word? Okay. So, y'all are quiet today. And and somebody came up to me last week and they said, Pastor Jeff, you you know why we're we're quiet. And I said, tell me. And they said, because we're thinking. And I said, okay, I can do without any amens if you're thinking. But I know that this meddles with our stuff. And this may be a brand new thought to some of us that God wants our minds renewed because in most pulpits in America, unfortunately, now I say most, I don't know. I'm not there for all of them, but I know what I read and, and, and more churches than not are just getting up and dishing out motivational seminars and not opening the word and telling you that, that, that once you're saved, then God is immediately targeting your mind to renew it, to renew the way you think. 
to erase old ways of thinking and replace it with new ways of thinking. Amen. So every time I open up the Bible, my mind is renewed and I've been walking with God a long time, but every day I need the word of God as much as I've ever needed the word of God. Now, today we're going to talk about a third foundation stone. A third foundation stone of a biblical worldview is so important. And here it is. God made everything. Now, you say, well, Pastor Jeff, I know that. Ah, you'd be surprised how many Christians are going out, out to pasture. I don't know what's happening to them. But a lot of uh, Christians that are being surveyed and polled are coming up with all kinds of answers that aren't biblical and There is such an attack on the word of God that I feel compelled to tell us again that if you've got a biblical worldview, then without question, God made everything. Can we say it together? God made everything. Turn to your neighbor and say, even you. (laughs) What you believe about the beginning of the world, what you believe about the beginning of the world depends on your worldview. Is it a worldly worldview or is it a biblical worldview? What you believe about where everything came from shows what kind of worldview you have. Do you share the beliefs and do you share the values of a godless lost and what the Bible says is a spiritually blind culture regarding the creation or where everything came from? Have you accepted some of those values? Most of us were raised in those values, in wrong values, And I'm going to talk about evolution, and I'm going to talk about the Big Bang in just a moment. Or or do you embrace the beliefs and the values presented in the Bible? Because if you've got a biblical worldview, then you have this conviction. God made it all. Something from nothing. Let there be, and it was. He didn't take something that was and make something new out of something that was. He took something that wasn't and made something out of wasn't that was. I think that sounded right. Your worldview, folks, it's so important. It's crucial. It is absolutely crucial that the way we think comes from the Bible and not from this culture. Do not love the world, nor the things that are in the world, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, are not from the Father, but are from the world, and the world is passing away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. So we're not to love the world, that fallen part of, I love the creation, but I don't, I hate the godless system that is this world, where it says the devil is the little g God of this world. We're not to love it. We're not to embrace it. We're not to accept the values of it. We're to get our values and our beliefs and our convictions and what we build our lifestyle around from the word of God, from the Bible. Your worldview, whatever it is, includes right now, everybody in here has one, a worldview, and it includes what you have accepted as truth about things like this. Where the world came from, where you came from, what the meaning of life is, what the nature of truth is. Is it absolute or does it flex and bend and bow to the whims of people, to changing trends and fads? Where truth can be found, where do you get your truth? Where do I get my truth? Where do I get the truth that I build my life around? 
my morals, my ethics, my lifestyle? Where, where do I get the truth that I say that's true and that's what I'm going to fashion my life around? Because your lifestyle comes from your worldview. Is there an afterlife? Your worldview will deal with that. Is there an afterlife? So, so to the point of today's message, every human being on the planet must answer this question. Ready? Here it is. Is evolution right or did God make everything? Every human being on the planet's got to answer that question. And whatever you accept, whichever view you embrace, that's going to shape your worldview, how you see everything and life, and people, and morals, and God, and the afterlife, and everything. Whether you embrace evolution, or you embrace what we call creationism. God made it all. God made everything. God made everything. God don't make no junk. I was taught growing up, as you probably were, that the universe began with a big bang. Bang! And it's known as the Big Bang Theory. They even made a sitcom after it. I saw a couple of them. Wasn't so thrilled. Very secular. But here's the deal. The Big Bang Theory, I was taught, you were taught, we've all heard about it. The Big Bang Theory says this. It doesn't, it's not saying that there was a big explosion way back in endless time, millions and billions of years ago, there was a big explosion in space and everything came out of that. No, the Big Bang Theory says the universe developed from a tiny, dense, red-hot state and expanded outward into what it is today. Shazam! All the stars, all the planets, the sun, the moon, and all the galaxies came into being from this tiny, red-hot mass somewhere way back in ancient time in outer space that began to expand outward. And as it expanded outward, everything came into being. That's the Big Bang Theory. I was taught it. You were taught it. We've all heard of it. A sitcom made it famous. All right? But here's where the Big Bang doesn't and can't explain. And that is where the first red-hot mass came from. Let's say it's true. Where'd that mass come from? Where'd that initial energy come from? Where'd it come from? Because you see, you can take me back to a Big Bang, but you can't take me back to the beginning of the beginning. What? How did something come out of nothing on its own? Say, Pastor Jeff, I want to hear a word from God. This is a word from God. Because the Big Bang Theory and evolution, both, have sent more people to a devil's hell than probably any philosophy in all the history of the world. Because our children are taught it like it's gospel. Our, our little kids are taught it. You are raised on it. And if you embrace it, it totally shaped your worldview. And I want you to know today, if you know anything, God made it all. All right? So the Big Bang, all right? So this, this mass of red-hot matter and energy began to expand, and everything, all the planets and galaxies and stars came from it. But something didn't come from nothing. And then that brings us to the second question. All right? If the Big Bang created all the planets, where did life come from? And that's where you jump from the Big Bang to evolution. Now listen carefully to me. 
Evolutionists, if you listen to a good one today, and I read several of them getting ready for this, and here's what one of them said. Evolutionists say that life began, life began when an aquatic microorganism that lived in extremely high temperatures uh, combined with endless time and chance spawned all other life. Let me read that again. Where did life begin? Because if the Big Bang gave us all the planets, stars, and earth, and all of the, the orbs out there, then where did life come from? Well, then you go to evolution. And here's what they say. Life began when an aquatic, in other words, something in the water, some ancient primordial sea, a microorganism that lived in extremely high temperatures, combined with endless time and chance, spawned all other life. Really? Really? Um, I, I read a science article, and, and this article admits, admits, they admit that although several lines of evidence are consistent with this hypothesis, not even a theory, a hypothesis, it is far from certain. Say what? You're telling me where everything came from, and you're telling me it's far from certain? I'm quoting again. The investigation continues and may eventually point towards yet a different site for the origin of life. You know what they're saying? We don't know where life came from. We we can wrap it in all kinds of scientific talk, but the bottom line is we don't know where life came from. So so here's here's the question, and I I wish I had millions of teenagers listening to me right now. Because I want you to know that evolution is not true. Watch this. Here's the question. Here's the question. If you're an evolutionist, here it is. Did life on earth begin with a single-celled organism in some ancient sea that by endless time and crazy chance developed into a multi-celled organism that eventually evolved into a life form that could live on land? And out of that life form, everything else evolved. There's only one problem with that. One species can't spawn another species. You'll never have a cat giving you a horse. You'll never have a horse giving you a cow. You'll never have a cow giving you a bird. Because species don't cross-pollinate. But you're telling me that all of life came from one single-celled organism... Way, way back billions and billions of years. And by crazy chance and endless time, it grew legs, it crawled out of the water, and it spawned birds, cattle, lions, tigers, and bears. Uh Uh-huh. But I got to ask the same question. If you believe that, you still haven't answered where the original single-celled organism came from. Or the water it was swimming around in. Where did it come from? Because something doesn't come from nothing. I want everybody to say that with me. Something doesn't come from nothing. You're here today because of two human beings, your mama and your daddy. You did not suddenly appear on earth.
Your entire worldview will be shaped by your answer to this question, where did everything come from? You got to answer that. And if you went out and interviewed most people in America today, if you went up to high school kids and say, where did everything come from? They would say, oh, evolution. Oh, the Big Bang. That's what they would say. But that's not true. It's not true. It can't be true. It's impossible that it's true. If you've been raised believing in evolution and the Big Bang, then change your mind and you will change your life. Because when you embrace Genesis 1-1, you'll see everything and everybody through a totally different lens. Well, I look at you, I don't see something that evolved over time from some cold, apathetic, uncaring, random evolutionary process. I see somebody made by God. And that gives you value and me value. That, that's why, and it gives life value. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So let me begin today with a simple statement that, that all of our worldviews should, should have. The most important verse in the whole Bible is the first one. Can I say that again? You thought, no, it's not. It's John 3.16. Ah, but how can you embrace John 3.16 if you reject the first verse in the Bible? Because the first verse in the Bible sets the stage for the rest of the entire Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. First verse in the Bible. Right out of the chute, we are told that everything came from God. And that sets the stage for everything from Genesis all the way to Revelation. If you reject Genesis 1-1, the rest of the Bible is meaningless. Did you hear what I said? Because there's Christians that will say, oh, I'm a Christian, but I'm also an evolutionist. That, I'm sorry. No, that's oil and water. You are not an evolutionist and a Christian. Oh, no, I've worked it out. I've worked it all out in my head. Well, you've worked out craziness. Because you, you're, you can't be an evolutionist and be a Christian. Are you ready? Because Jesus quoted Genesis. Jesus quoted Moses. Jesus quoted it all. And Jesus also quoted in the beginning. Jesus validated the first verse in the Bible. So if you reject the first verse in the Bible, then, then all the rest of it is meaningless to you. How can you believe any of the rest of the Bible's claims, many of which are totally miraculous, Jesus was born of a virgin Mary, overshadowed, uh, the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, and that which was conceived in her was of the Holy Ghost. That's a miracle. Jesus rose from the dead. That's a total miracle. How can you accept them if you, ex if you reject the first verse in the Bible? Listen again to our text from Hebrews. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed, prepared, fitted, joined together by the word of God so that the things that we see were not made of things that are visible. We can't see God. But you know what? There's a big difference between invisible and non-existent. If something is non-existent, it's non-existent. But something invisible can be very, very real. I don't see the wind, but it's real. Invisible doesn't mean it doesn't exist. God is invisible, but that does not mean he does not exist. The Bible doesn't say he's non-existent. It says he's invisible. By, by faith, we understand the worlds were framed. The word framed there is so powerful, it's beautiful. It refers to the way that God literally placed everything in creation into a beautiful order and harmony. 
the sun, the moon, the, the earth's rotation around the sun, the, the, the stars, the, the four seasons, uh, uh, the, the whole warp and woof of life and everything in it was, was, was set in order, framed by God's word. That's beautiful. The Bible claims that everything we see here, taste, touch, and smell, uh, and that exists around us, was created out of nothing by the spoken word of God. Not a big bang or not an evolution, but by the word of God, the spoken word of God. Let there be, and it was. And then he told it how to, how to sit there. Earth, how to hang in space. All the stars, how to hang in space. He can even name every star. The Bible does not say the heavens proclaim the glory of the big bang. It says the heavens proclaim the glory of God. They proclaim the glory of God. You look up at those stars, the glory of God. Listen to what it says about the skies display his craftsmanship, his framing. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. Do you hear that? The, the skies, the planets, the solar system speaks. It preaches. It declares that there's a God. Night after night, they make him known. Their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. Do you hear that? There's not a human being on earth that hasn't been preached to by the stars, by the planets. I'm not talking about astrology. I'm just talking about the miracle of the galaxies. They preach every day and every night. And that's why Paul wrote this. Ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and they've seen the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see. They can clearly see from what God made, his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his eternal divine nature. Watch this. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. I read once um, the great scientist, Sir Isaac Newton. He created... uh, he really did. This is true. He, he created this, this thing where it had the earth, all the planets, and the sun. And when you turned it, there was a little crank you turned. Everything began to revolve around the sun as God has made it. And you see this perfect motion and this perfect um, solar system. And he had an atheist friend. His atheist friend came over one day and saw this. We'll call it a toy. But it was a really, really complex creation. And he began to turn it. And everything began to revolve and go around the sun. And his friend said, who made this? And Newton said, nobody. He said, no, no, no. Somebody had to make this. Did you do this? He said, why do you insist somebody had to make it? It just came into being. And the friend got it. He wasn't stupid. He said, okay, okay. And then Newton brought it home. Why do you insist that had to be made? But you can look up there and say it was an accident. Uh, And can I tell you, we've got to be truthful about evolution. Listen to me, all you thinkers. 
And anybody that's stumbling over this, I want you to think with me a minute. Jesus said, you will know uh, the value of a thing by its fruit. Did he not? You will know them by their fruits. If something brings forth good fruit or bad fruit, you will know it by the fruit that it produces. Evolution has not borne good fruit. How do we know the value of, of a philosophy or a worldview? The fruit that it bears. Evolution has not borne good fruit. Evolution has shaped the worldview of billions of people since it first appeared in 1859 when Charles Darwin wrote on the origin of species. So he's not giving us the origin of life, just the origin of species. And if you embrace evolution as a worldview, as so many have, you've got to embrace the beliefs that go with it. Dear evolutionary friend, here's what you've got to accept. There's no creator God. If you're an evolutionist, there's no creator God. We're all cosmic accidents produced by a random evolutionary process. I'm not intentional. I'm a cosmic accident. There's no absolute truth, no morality, and there's no accountability to a God once I die because he's not there. We're all alone in a meaningless universe, and you tell me you're perplexed why so many young people are checking out of life? There's no meaning. There's no purpose. There's no reason. You can't make sense out of a world when your worldview is evolution. Who am I? And who cares? What does it matter? The worldview spawned by evolution shows how important a worldview is because the theory of evolution has fueled some of the greatest atrocities in modern history. Let me tell you a couple. For instance, Darwin's evolutionary theory of survival of the fittest had a major, major impact on Nazi race policies. Survival of the fittest, just so you'll know, is the notion that over time, evolution will weed out the weak that eventually die off and favor the strong that survive and thrive. So as things are evolving, uh, that particular evolution of whatever it is that is weak and, and doesn't make it is just by evolution put to the side and that which is able to, to survive and thrive is what evolution chooses to rule and reign. We come to Hitler. Hitler believed in a superior race and that he could help, help, help evolution along because he fully accepted the doctrine of survival of the fittest and he believed in the Aryan race, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed German. And he believed that, it, that, that it, the, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Aryan German was to be the master race. And he believed in evolution, a survival of the fittest. So he said, I'm just going to help evolution along through what he called the final solution. The final solution was the extermination of approximately 6 million Jews and 4 million other people who belonged to what the Nazis considered inferior, evolutionarily inferior races. And that's how he was able to do it with a conscience that wasn't bothered. I'm just helping evolution along. And all of his uh, military people, we're just helping evolution along. This is survival of the fittest. We are destined to be the master race. Stalin, Karl Marx, Mussolini, other murderous dictators that killed millions of people were also 20th century Darwinian evolutionists. Now, 
Let me get to the bright side and I'm going to close. Y'all are looking real grim. But do you see how a worldview matters? Your worldview will allow, will allow you to do things that, that are horrible if it's a wrong worldview. Now, here's the deal. Uh, if, if you believe that God made it all, then, then you know God made everything, including you. If you embrace the first verse, Genesis 1.1, it gives you a worldview that says this. I mean, let me lift you up now. Ready? It says this. The God that created the universe created me. The God that created the universe created me. I want you to say that with me. The God that created the universe created me. Amen. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. No wonder David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So I have inherent value. You have inherent value. If you believe in evolution, life is meaningless. But if you know that God made it all, then, and especially in his image, then you have inherent value. You matter. And I'm going to take it further. Life itself, all of life, all of life has value all the way down to babies in the womb. Because if you know that God made it all, then, then life has value to you. Because you're not a mistake of evolution. You're made on purpose. Listen, David wrote this. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You made it. You made it, God. And you knit them together while I was in my mother's womb. Psalms 139, verse 14. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It's amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You were there while I was being formed in utter seclusion, the seclusion being the womb of my mama. You were there knitting me. You saw me before I was born, verse 16. And you, this, is, this blows me away. You scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Ooh. Oh my. You, you scheduled each day of my life I'm on God's calendar. Now, he knows when I'm going home. I don't know. You don't know. But he knows because each day of my life has been scheduled by God. I'm on his calendar. I matter that much. I'm on God's calendar. Every day was recorded in your book. Every day that I'm going to live was recorded in your book before I even started. Everybody say, wow. So, the God that created the universe created me. Second thing, if you've got a biblical worldview, here's the deal. I was created on purpose for a purpose. I was created on purpose for a purpose. Listen to this verse. God has made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God made us new people so that we would spend our lives doing the good things, doing the good things he had already planned for us to do. So God had planned good things for you and me to do, good works of righteousness, before the beginning began. So I was made on purpose for a purpose. Say that with me. I, I was made on purpose for a purpose. 
See, that's where you get meaning. I wake up every day and I go, I know why I'm here. I'm here to preach. I'm here to teach. I'm here to influence people for Christ. I'm here to live for him and glorify him. I don't wonder why I'm here. I know exactly why I'm here. I don't have to go on some search to figure out why I'm here. I know why I'm here. Uh, Do you know why you're here? I just read it to you. He made you somebody new so you would spend your life doing the good things he already planned for you to do. That's as simple as pie. And the last thing, and then I close. I was created for a relationship with God. A biblical worldview tells me I was created for a relationship with God. Listen to what it says. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Christ Jesus. God has called every believer to get up and say, good morning, Lord. I'm going to spend time in your word. I'm going to pray. And today I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to talk with you. Because I know that I am yours and you are mine and your banner over me is love. And not only am I, am I here and created on purpose for a purpose, but part of that purpose is to walk with you, to fellowship with you. God wants to get to know you. There's an old song. Oh, this is going to date me. I'd like to get to know you if I could. That's what God says. Eh, if you're in evolution, you're alone on your own. You have no transcendent purpose. You're the creation of endless time and crazy chance. And when you die, there is nothing more. I'll take the one who made me. Can we stand together? I went a little longer today than I usually do, but that's all right. This was good stuff, right? Yeah. So let me ask you today, uh, is your biblical worldview such that you're not questioning, all right? Part evolution, part creationism, no. God made me. God made it all. If you can say that, let's lift our hands to the Lord and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Say with me, God made me. I have value. I have a purpose. I'm called to walk with him. I'm not a mistake. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing. Amen. Oh, he's not ready to sing. Well, you know what? We don't have to sing. How many of you are glad you came today? Amen. Amen. God made it all. Can we say it together? God made it all. The first verse is the launching verse. All right. Wednesday night, I'm going to be on, of all things, the book of Genesis. And so I want to encourage you to come Wednesday night. It's a wonderful time. We have a studying the Bible. I'm big on the Bible. I'm big on, listen, I know the power of the word of God. And it renews our minds. And the more our minds are renewed, the freer we are. And the more victory we have over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Amen. Life groups are tonight. If you're a life group leader, would you raise your hand? Well, they're all coming to the second service. (laughs) That's a first. Oh, there's one back there. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray. Now, if you've never been to a life group, I encourage you to go to one. 
Uh, it's, it's the way that we turn a larger church into a smaller church, and that is by meeting in homes. And once again, COVID shut down life groups for a long time, but we're coming back. And so uh, if you don't know what life group is nearest you, go to the connection booth right out here by the west door and they will and give them your zip code and they'll tell you the one that's closest to you. And they have great food, they worship, they go, go over a message from the word of God and you get to know one another. How many of you know we're called to one another, one another? right? Get to know one another. So I encourage you to go to a life group tonight. It'll bless you. Father, thank you for your blessing on the house of God. Can my prayers come down, please? My prayers just come and just, uh, just kind of fan out in the front here. And maybe you need prayer today. These are days that are trying times, trying days. And I want to encourage you in the name of the Lord, get prayer. Lock hands with somebody and say, I need a job. I need peace at home. My marriage is in trouble. I've I've gotten a diagnosis. I need healing. And we will pray the prayer of faith over you. Father, I thank you for the people of God. And I pray your blessing on everyone that came to the house of God today. Thank you for a worldview that gives us a lens. We see everything through the lens of the Bible. In Jesus' name. Amen.